Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Yeah. How are you on this Wednesday? Beautiful. Wonderful. <laughs> you uh, sound, well, good morning. You sound so pretty. Oh, oh, look at the cat grow again. <laughs> okay, wait, I got a cold. Don't get too close. Oh, well. Okay, we'll get away from me and then sit Yeah, Mama, Mama Belle is going to change her seat now. She's not going to sit there. <laughs> right, I, I'm moving further back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Get, your, yeah. get your spray out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Mama Bell told me, she said, before we leave the pastoral area, you better make sure you go to the bathroom because you're not allowed to leave pulpit during church to go take bathroom breaks. That's right. Breaks, so, yeah, yep. we had to go. We had to go take care of all that business. So I hope you went to the bathroom. And, yeah, okay. Because don't put... Don't put that finger up and try to walk out. I used to tell my workers, if you don't eat it on the job, you can't use the facilities. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're saying. Well. <laughs> well, this morning, we're not going to. We're only here for 30 minutes, and y'all took up 25 of it already. Okay. Uh, <laughs> bless our heart mm-hmm. on this morning. Uh, they say laughter is like medicine, and that's true. Y'all are an overdose. It's really true, because I feel better. I do. When I come in and laugh, I really feel better. Well, I'm mm-hmm. glad you feel better. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. Well, this morning, we're going to take some time. Mama Bell was telling us about the three players that uh, was taken from the world. We're going to pray over their families, uh, their friends, and their the schools that uh, they attended. And we're also going to pray over those who are, uh, as we say in the streets, feeling some type of way. Uh, Someone called and discussed with me. They said, Eric, you know, it's it's a shame. I just can't believe it. I said, why you can't believe it? Well, I can't believe that we lost the House of Representatives. I said, well, first of all, <laughs> the fact that you can't believe it shows that you live in a world of naivety. <laughs> it's the, what do you mean? Because somebody told you that your views were the only ones that was operating out here these days. And now that you see that it's not, it's got you feeling some type of way. And so we are thankful. I, I uh, While we're praying, we're praying uh, for that in the same mindset. I watched, uh, you know, Mama Bell, uh, the vice president, at least the former one, is coming out now. He's yapping. And, uh, you know, sometimes I listen. Well, you know. But uh, I listened to a couple of his speeches, and and, uh, I've always said, you know, 
there's some folks in the world that can lead you to the electric chair and make you believe dying is cool, and he's one of them. And he he can he can talk you right in that chair and make you strap yourself in. And uh, and so, but the the moral of the story is that there is another view in our land, and a lot that he was talking about was his viewpoint and how he saw the country and felt that the world should uh, not dismiss other people's viewpoint. And right as he was saying that, about 15 students got off, two of them flipped them off right there in the front of them, just walked right up to the stage and just put the middle fingers up right there in the man's face. (laughs) And I'm watching it, and I said, okay, I can understand if you don't disagree. You disagree with the gentleman, but disrespect respecting him is not is not acceptable and so we have breeded this this mindset that if i disagree with you then you lucifer and scared of the fact that you just have another view so we'll talk about that a little bit later on but uh we'll keep that in our prayers my dear grandmother's going to come to pray for us and uh, while she's doing that, Mama Bell, or after she does that, Mama Bell is going to play. Before she comes to pray those things, I would like to put the scripture lesson text in your brains for you to stew over. Over in the book of Revelation, we will come. Uh, chapter number uh, 12, verse 11, uh, where it says, they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. That's what we're going to focus our attention on a little bit later on. But for now, my dear grandmother will come to pray for us, and then our dear Mama Belle will come and bang so pretty on those keys. Most holy and all wise, Father, we just thank you this morning. We thank you, God, because you watched over us while we slumbered and slept. You kept us, oh God, and woke us up with health. Thank you for all you have done, and we give you thanks. We give you praise, and we magnify your name. As we come this morning, we come just to say thank you. We thank you for all things. And as we come this morning, we lift up every request that has been made. You know all about the disrespect. You know all about the heresy. And God, you heard all, you see it all, and you know it all. But God, teach us, oh God, to realize that you told us to respect one another. You told us to prefer one another. You told us to love one another. Teach us, oh God, how to do those things. Help us to realize it's not about us, but it's about you. You came on this earth, God, that we might be able to live a holy life. And help us, oh God, to walk in your way. Let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. We just thank you this morning, God, for all things. 
for all you are doing and all you're going to do. We just thank you this morning. Give us, oh God, that love one for another. Help us to smile. Help us to, oh God, laugh because we know that it is medicine for our souls. We know we can feel much better because, oh God, you take all the tension and the stress and the aggravation from us as we laugh. And we just thank you for it. We praise you and we love you. Give your name all the honor, praises, and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. If I can have a few moments of your time to really not necessarily speak from a spiritual perspective, but more from a spiritualized, practical perspective, I realize that that may or this may come with a little consternation. It might be a little hard to chew this slab of beef that we're going to present to you this morning. And so I ask you to just pull out your good path. Not the not the not the daily path. Pull out your good path. Back in the day, grandmom and all of them, them big shots, they had the, the daily driver, and then they had their Sunday Cadillacs. And some folk had teeth to match with their Cadillac. You know that pair of dentures you only wore on Sunday because you wanted to know your mouth was looking good. Oh, well, maybe them folk don't live no more. That being said, 
you think about what we're going to discuss, you on it a little bit, it probably most certainly will make sense. Uh, as Elder Josephine used to say, you'll get it tomorrow next week. They overcame them. That's what one text describes it. This particular version that I love to use, the Coleman Standard Bible or the Christian Standard Bible, uh, did not say overcame, rather it said conquered. The one thing that was fascinating to me that I did not realize until a recent moment in time is there's one word you will not you will not find I almost slipped the word I want to I want to let it marinate a little bit I want to get to you quick let's go on the journey there's one word you will not find anywhere in the scriptures no matter the translation no matter the uh, origin of the book there's some Bibles that have a little bit more in them. The Maccabees are in some of our older renditions of the Scriptures. But regardless of the time period of its release or the translation it's in, there's one word you're not going to find, and that word is survival. You're not going to find the word survive in the Bible. Because survive is a neutral term. It's stuck between death and life. It's, it's like that part over where the, the scriptures declare that Jesus hates. He hates that lukewarm Christian. You're neither hot nor you're cold. Survivor fits in that category. It, it mingles around that company. You, you're not thriving, yet you're not dead. You, you can't make up your mind who you are. That's when you survive it. But when you a conquer, when you've overcome, what you are saying is now you have taken a position. Your argument is that you have transitioned from the situation that has held you captive to a better place. You are now better than you were. You have overpowered your circumstance. They overcame. They got victory, one translation would say. So it doubles down. First, they overcame. And they needed you to know that they were a conqueror of their issues. But then that wasn't enough. They, they, they couldn't leave it there. And the King James, I believe, is the translation that, that has to make sure that, that you understand. They got victory, it has to add. So first, if you use the King James, which I really don't like. I don't like King James. He had a problem with his wife and decided he wanted to get rid of him, so now we've got to have a whole new Bible. 
But if I can, for just a moment, if we can put our issues aside, me and King James, and really focus on how he has this thing laid out here. Because it makes sense to me. It's a two-parter. Because first, I overcome in my situation. And then I get victory over the person who calls my situation. I'm supposed to go somewhere else. And please forgive me. Now I got to throw my whole message in the trash. I hate how that happened. I didn't want to stop here. But since we're here, let's talk about it. So it's two parts to the struggle. The first part is the struggle. The second part is who caused it. I'll let that marinate for a bit. Then I'm going to repeat myself. There's two parts to the struggle. The first part is the actual struggle, and the second part is who caused it. Nobody wakes up in the morning and decides to be a drunk. Nobody wakes up in the morning and decides that they're going to leave their husband or leave their wives. Nobody wakes up in the morning and decides they're going to be a cheater. Nobody wakes up in the morning and decides they're going to be a crook. But their circumstances, their issues, their problems caused by an entity that leads to the drunk, that leads to the alcoholic, that leads to the drug dealer, the crackhead, the pothead, the drug pusher. You had uh, fine friends at one point in time. I call them friends. We Just to give you some clarity, they go over to 810 Union Street where City Hall is, and they'll say, well, we're going to have some drug busts, and we're going to know where the drugs are. How you know? Because I'm going to go right around the corner to Chapel Street and sell it and put it out there. There are many cases where the informant in the drug war was pushing the drugs out into the community, and to keep him from getting in trouble, he would push the drugs out and then go tear the police where he put it and sent them there. First, we overcame drugs, and then we got victory over the drug dealer. That's very important. But I would like to submit to you for consideration something else. That's all well and good, and I hope that that we would take that into personal consideration. But the drug dealer is not really the problem. The drunk is not really the problem. Bad relationships is not really the problem. The, The lack of family is not really the problem. The problem is The individual, you and I, we were never taught the importance of self-care. We were never taught the importance 
of being to oneself. I'm going to tell you something that's going to probably drive you a little bit up the wall. I want to talk to all of you that got 90 million members in your family. You can't love all them people. You can't give your time to 90 million folks. But somewhere they have told us that we need to have big gatherings and, and we need to bring everybody together and we need to find a way to be in each other's lives. There's no possible way. There's no time in the day to love accurately all them people. And so you stretch yourself thin. You beat yourself to the to the to the max, trying to be supported. Forty million people. I learned that in my life a couple of days ago, when I was sitting down talking to a gentleman, and they were telling uh, about their stories, and one was saying how he was ADHD. And I said, you know, they said I had that problem back in the day. Some will still argue that I do have the problem. And, and uh, One of the friends that we were talking with, or should I say one of the people, it doesn't really matter to me how you label them. And labels is just so weird these days. Well, one of the gentlemen, that's a good way to put it, that was sitting there uh, happened to be a psychologist, studier the mind and deals in research as pertains to same. That's, that's what he does for a living. In some cases, what he does for fun. And so he decided to whip out this little test. He said, I got these questions I want to ask of you. I said, yeah. He said, yeah, I just want to ask you some questions. So I want to ask me some questions. He said, because you tell me they said that you said that you ADHD. And I don't believe you ADHD. That's the first time I ever heard a, co- a psychologist, a shrink. Now, I don't like shrinks, but that's one I like because most times the shrinks always want to tell me that I was crazy, that I had a problem, that I need to go get that little bottle with some pills in it called Adderall, the Ritalin, which I call the, the crackhead for, in, in pills. If crack makes you sit down there with your eyes glazed over and looking like there's no tomorrow, Ritalin comes with the same effect in pills. But I got it. I was sitting there talking. He says, I want to whip out this test. I want to pull it out because I don't believe that you are ADHD. I believe that there's something else wrong with you. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad I'm not crazy, but you're saying I'm not sane either. All right, so pull out the test. So he asked these questions, and he culminated in, he said, Eric, there's definitely not an ADHD problem with you. I said, oh? He said, no, but it's something worse. <laughs> oh, Lord, what kind of drugs you going to put me on now? He said, no, no, it's not drugs not drugs. He said it's a product of our environment. You know, our dog hears sound for the first time. They go, Roo! shaggy and scooby when they turn their head sideways and that big old ear here just fall flat to the floor. 
with the tongue going in the same direction because he's clueless about what he just heard. The doctor said, good old doc said, it's a product of our environment. You see, what we was never taught in the hood, notice I didn't say in the black neighborhood, but what we was never taught in the hood is the importance of priority. The importance of prioritizing our lives. We pay bills out of order. We live out of order. We work out of order. We church out of order. We do everything out of order. And what that means is, by the doctor's, the good doctor's perspective, is that because we do not prioritize, that is the reason why 90% of our community is in debt. 90% of our community has no resources. 90% of our community goes from hand to mouth. 90% of our community can't keep their families together because we've never been taught the importance of prioritizing. There's only 24 hours in a day. We go to work for eight to nine hours. We supposed to sleep a good seven. But we're in church for nine hours after we gone to work for nine hours. So now we work in two jobs. So the family's at the house, and they're not being supported. The children are not being supported. The wife is feeling left behind, or the husband is feeling uh, like he is on the back burner. Because we have never been taught priority. We were taught that if you can give the white man or the Jew eight hours a day, you ought to give God eight hours a day. That's unhealthy. Instead of saying, well, you are the minister of education, so what we need to do is we need to raise enough money to make sure we can put you on payroll because in order for you to do this job effectively, you need to be here at least eight to nine hours a day. And that means you don't need another responsibility, a.k.a. working for the white man or the Jew. We were never taught that. But then again, it's also because we grew up in survival mode. We grew up as slaves and connected to saints, meaning that we grew up with the mindset that you're supposed to go out and work from sun up to sun down and break your back until your fingers fall off. But now we are in a culture. That same psychologist said to me, and he's the son of a preacher third generation, I'm going to get out your hair here in a minute. Thank you for your time. Son of a third-generation preacher, and he said, you know, back in the day when Grandpa and them was praying, they would stay on the altar all day long, stay on the altar all night long, and they was praying for God to bless them. And, and, and he mentioned that because somebody came to him 
and talk about, you know, we don't pray like we used to anymore, and the psychologists say we don't have to. Now, again, that goes that Shaggy and Scooby, uh, turn your head and let your tongue fall in the same direction because you don't have a clue what you just heard. That's sacrilege in some eyes. But he said, we don't have to anymore because granddaddy and grandpa prayed for God to do things that granddaddy and grandpa couldn't do. But now because granddaddy and grandma stayed on the altar for four to five hours, because they turned their plate down, they prayed that we could go to college. We can go to college now. They prayed that we didn't have to pick cotton. We don't have to pick cotton now. They prayed that we could grow up in the other communities. We can grow up in the other communities. They prayed that we could get books. We can get books. But now the problem is now that we can go to college, now that we can get the books, now that we can go to the other communities, now that we can get the jobs, they want us to have the same time in the prayer meeting when we can't do that anymore because the job means I got to go to work where you didn't have that job to go to work. I have to study when you didn't have to study. So with the blessing comes something that requires more of our attention. And so I submit to you for consideration that you don't beat people up because we don't stay in church four hours a day. It's because of the blessing that God has given us and we can't stay here anymore. We have to go out and do and work the blessing that was given us. And finally, before I get out your hair, again, I do appreciate you, your time, for giving me your time. You look at that, that method that I just mentioned, the working for the eight hours a day and making sure you're properly sleeping. Science has said a part of the problem with a lot of your struggles, Mama Bell agreed to this, is because of a lack of, of good rest. If we're not sleeping properly, whole lot of us go to bed, but if our brains are not stopping because we can't turn those problems over to the Lord, we can't turn those situations just thinking about this person and that person and, and what they said to me and how I felt about it and all this other good stuff, and the devil is over there talking to you all night long, and so your eyes might be closed and your body might be laying down, but you're not getting rest. And then finally, if I squeeze this in here, it's you time. That moment of the day, science has said that every human needs at least three hours a day that they do nothing for anybody but themselves. The old saying says you can't pour from an empty fountain. And so taking that time to spend with God personally, taking that time to work on yourself personally. I'm not a let's go back, but, but you get in the car and you're talking on the phone. You know they're going to give you a ticket to catch you on that phone now. 
So it's a good way for you to put that thing down, turn it on D&D, put you on something that can encourage your heart while you're in the car, go out for a walk, make sure that you are doing something at least an hour a day to build your strength and simulate your mind. And so now you have room to be a blessing to others. And then the final piece is recognizing, as I said earlier, that everybody that knows your name cannot have your time. Everybody who knows your name cannot have the right to call your phone. Everybody who knows your name cannot have the right to dictate what you can and cannot do because somebody is going to get hurt when they realize it's like going to the bank. If I only got $20, I only got $20. And your mental health is the same as your financial physical currency. If you don't have it, you can't give it. And a lot of us for years have been given to people on credit. And now we are physically and emotionally and mentally bankrupt. And so this morning, as Brother Dennis comes to pray for us, I ask you to consider. I ask you to consider how we overcome, how we overcome personally, how we overcome mentally, how we overcome emotionally, and most importantly, how we overcome spiritually. They overcame. They got victory. They conquered. I leave you quietly to think about that as Brother Dennis comes to pray. What I'm asking you to think about, if you would, just a a few more seconds of your time. I appreciate it again. Consider how your life is all discombobulated. Lord, let me get myself together. Let me get my priorities together. Let me sit down and write my life down to figure out what's in it that doesn't need to be there anymore. The old folk used to say, if you find anything that shouldn't be, take it out and strengthen me. They sung that song, and they might have had another reason for it, but it fits perfectly right here. I want to be right. I want to be saved. But most importantly in that song, I want to be whole. Brother Dennis. Good morning. Let's pray. I just want to piggyback on what uh, Eric said. Do you have time? Uh, Every day, you take time. You need to be recharged. How do you recharge yourself? Uh, That's the question. Do you sit and watch Family Feud? Or do you watch uh, soap operas? Maybe you need to sit and just meditate on who God is and what God has done for you in your life. Sometimes we just need to think about that. 
like Eric said, write it down. Write it down in your mind or write it down on a piece of paper. It may surprise you what God has done for you and how he's helped you. Lord, we just thank you that we can get together, that we can hear the word, that we can use our brain cells to think about what you have done for us, that we can use our brain cells to thank you, not only during this half hour time, but every day, all day. You know, it's, uh, I found in my own life, sometimes, Lord, it, 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 I know it's hard to uh, think about things we don't need to think about when we're talking to God. So think about that. Think about that as you go out through your day. Lord, we just thank you again. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for protecting us. And most importantly, thank you, Lord, for loving us. No matter where we're at or what we're doing, you're always there and always will be. Lord, we just want to play, give you all the honor and glory for that. Lord, just keep us safe until we come back together. In your holy name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs>